Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the second Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord, specifically St. John chapter 1. And we had the celebration, the Feast of the Baptism of our Lord, where we see God at work. This is also a wonderful announcement to the world that Jesus has arrived, and he has arrived to do something specific. He has arrived to attach himself to sinners, to bring himself, to truly be Emmanuel, God with us. And this isn't, again, um, something that like an anthropologist would do. He would go and immerse himself into a group, a culture, or whatever, to learn about them, to better understand them. But fully knowing he will never fully be one of them. He will fully never be in the complete understanding of the cultural intricacies, the rituals, the pat, you know, so on and so forth. Now, that anthropologist could get a really good idea and have a pretty good understanding, but again, will always be seen as an outsider. This is not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't come to study his people. He doesn't come to uh, give a a cursory view of, oh, what it must be like to live like one of you. Jesus comes in the fullness of the weakness of our flesh. He unites himself truly to our finiteness. Uh, he limits himself. We hear that he thirsts. We hear that he hungers. We hear that he suffers. We hear and see that he dies on the cross. He's born. All these things are innate to us in our human nature. And he does that. He is that. And then today in our gospel lesson, we have Jesus really showing forth the fullness of why he has come. He has come to deliver us. And so so after his baptism, he has shown that he's united himself, that he's come to be part of one of us in the issues that we have with sin, death, and hell. He comes as one of those, one of those sinners, one of those who's dying, one of those who will suffer hell. Now, he does this completely different than you and me. He will go and he will suffer temptations but never fall to temptation. He will suffer sin, but not his own sin, for he is truly without sin. But he claims your sin, and he's punished for your sin, and he suffers your death and your hell. The great thing about that is he's the only one who can go all the way through death and come out alive on the other side by his power, by his strength, by his might, by of by the power of who and what he is, God. And that is what he does with hell too. He suffers the wrath of God being forsaken on the cross. But he does this because he's the only one that can do this. But, and I do mean but, because he does all of this, 
that is given to you, that is laid upon you. He suffers all of this to win, to bring about true forgiveness, true life, true forever. And we get to say, because he lives, you will live, I will live, we will live. And that is what is seen in the baptism of our Lord. And then we hear, and this is where St. John picks up, the next day he saw Jesus coming, and this is St. John the Baptist, and said, the, one of the great confessions, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he preaches, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Okay. I love this revelation discussion, uh, this revelation language, because, of course, this is epiphany where we're talking about the full revelation, the revealing of who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a good guy. He's not a good guy that was adopted by God the Father. He was not just simply approved, hey, I like this guy more than anybody else. I'm going to claim him as my son. No, this is the God, the second person of Trinity, the Son, God the Son, from eternity. That's what we confess in all the creeds, begotten, not made, being very God, very God. And this is laid before us in the gifts of the joy of what John is preaching. Hey, guys, this is why I showed up. The Holy Spirit came upon me. I was born to be the voice in the wilderness crying out. I am the one who is to make straight the crooked path. I am the one to level the up and down ground so that we will be prepared for the receiving and the revealing of God's word. And guess what, guys? This is him. The guy that I'm getting you ready for, he's here. He has shown up, and I am his servant, and he comes after me to fulfill all the prophecies. And this is really important because we need to remember that John the Baptist is actually the last Old Testament prophet. And he is the one who gets to see the Christ. He gets to see what... Abraham longed for, what Isaac longed for, what Jacob longed for, what David longed for, what Solomon longed for, so on and so forth, what all the prophets preached and prophesied. John the Baptist preaches the same thing, but then with his very finger points out and says, all the prophecies are fulfilled here. Behold, look. The Lamb of God is here. The sacrifice that will pay for your sin. The sacrifice that will make you right. The sacrifice that will cover you in holy, pure, innocent blood to make you holy, pure, clean, and right before God. He is here to take away your sins. How does he do this? by living your perfect life, by fulfilling God's law, by fulfilling God's will, by fulfilling God's commandments, by doing everything perfect that you have failed to do, that I have failed to do with the moment of our conception. 
We failed to do what God has laid before us. And at the moment of Jesus' conception, he completed and fulfilled what God sent him to do, to save you, to rescue you. And this is what John is preaching. This is what John is pointing out. And I cannot imagine the excitement. And we, we know John is excited because even as a child in his mother's womb, he leapt for joy at just being in the presence of the blessed Virgin Mary who was with child, the Christ child. Because John the Baptist was in the presence of Jesus, even as a baby in the womb, the Holy Spirit so moved him to leap for joy. And here, John does it again, pointing out, revealing to all who would see, hear, and have, and behold, this is the one I've been preaching about. This is the one who makes right your baptism, who makes right your repentance, who makes you alive, because he has connected himself to you. He has brought you into himself and you get to have the promise of life, the promise of forever, the promise of God's love. This is yours and the one who stands before you. And we hear John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained, it remained on him. And here again, we see John pointing out God is at work. God is revealing himself, his work, his love, his mercy. He is bringing you to the completion of all that needs to be done for your salvation. And again, I cannot imagine the excitement. He has arrived. This is the one. And we we as Christians, we should be doing the same thing. Jesus has come, and with anticipation, with excitement, in this revelation, we should be looking forward to his return. And this isn't, oh yeah, Jesus is coming back. Well, he hasn't come back in 2,000 years, so I'm pretty sure I got some time. I'll continue to do and go about my life. No, we should be, he's coming, and be prepared to receive our God, our King, our Lord, our Savior, as he promises to do. We should be looking. This is the one we have been waiting for. This is the one who has been preached and prophesied. He is here in word and sacrament, in forgiveness, in love, in mercy and peace. Well, it continues. Then we have the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. Right there, I think this is amazing. I really appreciate Jesus on so many levels. And, and I don't say that to be funny. But the whole idea that there are these two guys following him. He doesn't say something silly like, why are you following me? What do you want? He says, what are you seeking? 
And that is an awesome statement because we on this side of heaven, we deal with this whole seeking God. And I don't care if you're an atheist, agnostic, Christian, whatever. We are spiritual people. We are in constant seeking mode of the divine. We are seeking something to worship. Even if you say, I don't worship anything, that's a statement of worship. Because now you are working and seeking to place yourself as God, yourself as Almighty, yourself as the One. And so we're always trying to make this connection to God. And if we don't find God, we're going to make something up. We're going to find something to put it in God's place. And here, it has been revealed to these disciples. It is Andrew, uh, is one of them. And we'll see all the disciples, and even us today, we will have this revelation given to us so that we can follow. But again, that statement, what are you seeking? We are seeking God. We're seeking love. We're seeking completion. We're seeking forgiveness. We're seeking mercy. We're seeking God to act upon us. And we are seeking this today. This is what the divine service is all about. What are we seeking? Are we seeking a feel-good sermon? Are we seeking feel-good music? Are we looking for a mountaintop experience? What are you seeking when you hear, find, and see God as he comes to where he has promised to be? And we need to be really careful about this because it's so easy to go around and say, oh, I found God. I feel God. Well, I, I really am very suspicious of my own feelings. I, I've told this story before, and I don't know if I've told it on, on the podcast, but I, I'm directionally challenged. I, I, uh, malls, when I used to go to malls, I used to uh, get lost in parking lots. I wasn't sure uh, you know, what entrance and exit, and sometimes I'd go out the wrong door and have to walk around the whole mall to get to the correct parking lot. And then on top of that, I would turn the wrong way. But I would feel this is the right way to go. This is the way I should go. And it was wrong. And so again, and I know this is a, a silly statement, but are we going to really trust our emotions? Are we going to trust the things that might feel good, look good, taste good, seem good? But these too often lead to selfish completion, selfish desires. What are you seeking when you seek God? Is it the forgiveness of sins? Is it the fullness of his love? Is it to be put into the place of reception, the reception of his work? And we see that these disciples, they seek the Messiah, the one who has come to reveal himself as the Redeemer who will rescue his people. Now, during this time, there, there's some there's controversy when the Messiah is going to come, is he going to establish the earthly kingdom and finally give those Romans their coming uppins and finally overthrow them and the Jews, Israel, will finally in all its might rule the world? 
Some people were really looking forward to the Messiah coming to finally destroy all their earthly enemies, to put them in places of prestige, to put them in the power places. This is not why God comes, and that's still why he doesn't come. He comes to bring you out of the depths of sin, death, and hell. He comes to bring the light to the darkness of this world. He comes to make right what is wrong. He comes to sacrifice himself, to make the payment, to pay the ransom that your sin has brought. He has saved you from death. And this is what we are to seek and this is what he offers. He doesn't offer wealth. He doesn't offer everything to be wonderful and great and to, to make everything easy on this side of heaven. He comes to offer you the fullness of forever in him. And this is so huge. This is so big. And it's even abstract to the point where we really have to rely on our imagination to get this full understanding. And even then... We don't fully understand. And there again, it gets exciting because we see the bigness and the fullness of God on display. And it's so big, we can't fully see, comprehend, or understand. And we get to point and say, there is my God. In the things that I don't fully understand, he still comes to me. He still makes me right. He still brings me out of the depths of the mess that I have made. This is what is promised to you. And this is what John the Baptist is revealing to us. We are baptized into his death and life. And because he lives, we too will live, which now means that we have the freedom of this wondrous life of service, this wonderful life of loving the neighbor, this wonderful life of being loved by God. So with great rejoicing and with struggle, we get to seek what God offers, the fullness of his love found only in Jesus Christ, the one who has completed the law, the one who has died your death, the one who has brought life and everlasting salvation to you. Let us rejoice, let us be his people, and let us hold on to the truth of Christ our Lord. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.